right. Welcome to Enlivening Musings. I am Crystal here with Katie. Hello. And it is now the month of May, and we have decided to dedicate this podcast to motherhood for all of our May episodes here. And you know, it kind of makes sense with Mother's Day and everything, but it's also just such a huge topic. It's one that we will revisit in so many different ways, but I hope you enjoy it. And today we are going to be talking about postpartum. Now this is such a huge topic that if we start going kind of crazy here, we might break this one up into two things. Um, but if not, you know, we'll, we'll bring it up again in all kinds of different facets because there's so many things that go into the postpartum period. And I think we kind of were just thinking right off the bat, we should define what this is. Like, what is the postpartum period? Yeah, I think that's a good idea because it, um, it can mean a different time for a lot of people. Yeah, I th- I'd say that like most people sit there and think, oh, those first six weeks. <laughs> yeah, or the first 40 days is becoming yes. a common, common um, time frame. But I felt like once I hit that point, I still felt very postpartum and very much the need for still rest and nourishment. But because I had heard that first 40 days so much, I almost felt like, nope, well, that's it. <laughs> I hope I did it all right. I <laughs> think know? that's what so many women feel. Yeah. That's so valid. Um, and for me, so I have three. I was astonished how much it was like that first year for me. Mm-hmm. I really felt it, I think, at like 10 months, I felt a lot more myself. And then at a year, I felt more myself. And actually, for me, it was having my cycle return, and that wasn't until yeah. 18 months mm-hmm. for my first. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like 18 months postpartum. And that is so huge. Like, just yeah. thinking about that, like your body now telling you, okay, yeah. now I'm fertile again. Yeah. You know, now I'm ready. Not saying that you can't be fertile when you're not cycling yet, because you can be, especially in certain situations and stuff. But that was huge. And I think that people really benefit from listening to their bodies Mm -hmm. throughout that. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, when are you ready for anything, anything postpartum, like going back to work, lifting anything, doing anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm hearing all this and remembering just how it was with my last child because that's the first time, you know, he was my third and that was the first time I really really embraced the postpartum time and like had an understanding of like the sacredness of it and like the healing potential and just like the potency and all those sort of things about it. Um yeah, I mean, I think for sure a year um, almost, I mean, I tell a lot of women from a physical standpoint too, like, you know, it's your choice of how your family grows, but really, I mean, two years is a, is a good guidepost for women to know like, okay, your body has likely recovered. Any depletion has hopefully regulated and it's maybe a, you know, a good time for number two, if you want number two or whichever one's coming next. But I, I also feel like if you're like a breastfeeding mother to me that still feels like postpartum kind of because 
your body's still like not feeling fully yours. Oh, At least man. I still feel that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I still, feel I'm just one. getting my body yes, back. I like, know. you know, I have longer nurslings and having that just kind of like end, that could be a whole topic on itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think two years is really understandable. And yes, mm -hmm. each, so many people love timing their kids in certain ways and totally cool. Like if yeah. you're vibrant and feeling great and like doing yeah. all of that and that's what flows or you have, you know, just like a whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great too. And it's not about like ever being hard on yourself. It's just right. then how can we bring more nourishment right. and rejuvenation and revitalizing type things into the picture to keep those tissues and everything all those vitamin stores and everything just like where we want it to be so we can feel that vitality yes throughout because it's it can be very depleting you know when you're talking about depletion I remember reading different articles about finding women 10 years postpartum still depleted yeah. of like nutrients and different oh. things I think they were all breastfeeding moms gosh now I want to go on a research binge <laughs> um but I think that that's huge to think about like how much it takes to recover and it's such a beautiful thing and yet a natural thing and yet it does it takes so much <laughs> it takes vitality from us but it's okay like you said it's a natural cycle I think we're maybe things have kind of gone off the rails a bit as we stopped honoring what's needed during the postpartum time. I think that's the only piece that kind of has went missing. And the the tribal community piece. Yeah, and you yeah, know? the support. And I think a lot of uh, women, it's interesting because probably like our mothers really didn't have support like right. at all. And yeah. so... <laughs> What's interesting is I remember hearing people say how healing it could be for like my mom to see me cared for during the postpartum time because there might be some still pain and resentment in her life feeling like it was really hard and she did it alone and maybe, you know, her mother wasn't there for her. So to see me get cared for could be super healing for her to heal those wounds in herself, which I thought was such a beautiful way to look at it. Well, and absolutely. I mean, like that's anything that we're healing, right? Yeah. With any of those generational wounds, when you heal in this time and space, you're healing how many and like, is it seven before mm -hmm. you and seven after you? Yeah. You know, so it's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's it's so great to see this conversation happening more and like women starting to talk more about the postpartum time and healing and changing the narrative around it because like we were talking about like postpartum is now like synonymous with postpartum depression. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. True. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That. And so, so that makes me want to kind of go in that direction a little bit. So there can be you can have an ecstatic postpartum. Mm -hmm. Like, I know we're going to go into kind of all the things that can be really hard. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, 
unfun and or need more healing and more support. And before even venturing in that direction, I want to at least give some acknowledgement to the fact that it can be super ecstatic, just like birth. Mm -hmm. Birth can be ecstatic birth. It can be orgasmic birth. And yet, you know, there's this whole portrayal of just how awful and wrenching and crazy it is, which can also be true. And so it's just one of those things where even though we're going to talk about these harder components and aspects, I want everyone to remember or just know that, yes, it can be. It can be like I had somebody describe it on a thread the other day as like a a new love affair, something, something. I was just mm. like, oh my goodness, that is so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what it was for her. It was this love affair, falling in love with her baby and her partner and like yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. And you think of a honeymoon mm-hmm. and that's what it was full of for her. Yeah. And it can be that way. And it is helpful to have different things in place to make that a possibility or more of a possibility. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I've had that experience with myself. I mean, I really enjoy the postpartum time. I love that newborn stage. And especially with our middle child, which was the first child for me and my husband together, I mean, it was so beautiful, like having that time. He was able to take off three months um, work with me. And so we just had the best time and it felt so good to be cared for because with my oldest daughter I was a single parent Um, I still actually love the postpartum time with her thinking back I only have good memories but um, with my daughter Louise I mean feeling the support of my husband was just so amazing and we were just so happy It, it was it was it was great yeah so yeah it doesn't have to be hard I love that. I feel similarly with with my second. Um, so then my first with my partner too. Same mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was more supported like that, and her birth was really fast and easy. All of my births were though, yeah. but with her, it was one of those things where I almost felt like back to normal right away, (laughs) you know? And I felt like even my sensuality and like desire for anything in that realm come back sooner. Even though I'd say my postpartum lochia, the bleeding part went on forever. (laughs) And I ended up looking for homeopathic support for that. And then boom, it was Mm. all done a day after homeopathic support. Wow. Yeah. That You know, it's interesting is I wonder if part of like even the labor feeling, like you said, like easy and fast also had to do with you feeling really supported by your partner. Yeah. I feel like that's a, a whole another thing to discuss is how feeling supported can make everything better. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and because it makes you feel safe. And that needs to happen. Absolutely. That's what needs to happen in order for the birth to happen is you feel safe. Yeah. It's very animalistic, but it's true. It's very true. And I think that is a great big aha takeaway thing that everyone listening should consider. 
you know, whether you've had a child already or you're planning your first, what does make you feel safe? Mm-hmm. What do you need? Take time to actually like think about that and write it out or feel on it and put that into motion. What do you need to feel safe? And you can do that for the birthing process and then also for the postpartum process. So I think that's a good transition into what are some ways for us to support ourselves postpartum? What are important things to look at? So we've covered just safety. (laughs) Boom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is your home safe? Does that whole situation feel good? Is there other things that you need in that? Do you have family nearby? Do you don't? Do you enjoy having your family around? (laughs) Do you not? Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things. I remember feeling like I had to prepare my dad that I might not want his wife around as much as I normally would Mm -hmm. during such a vulnerable time when I had my first, especially because I hadn't experienced anything before. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sure. All I knew was I was going to be vulnerable and open. And when the time came, I was (laughs) totally fine having her around as much as I normally would like having her around. Um, But I remember feeling that and having to speak to that and say, Mm -hmm. I just want to prepare you for when you guys come (laughs) to visit that I could be in some weird state and who knows what I'm going to think or feel. Right. Yeah. I remember having some experiences like that too when people come and visit and it's great, but um, I mean, for me, like I just wanted to be the one having my baby like on me. And when people wanted to come and hold her, um, it was like I couldn't handle it. <laughs> like, and and I didn't know I was gonna feel that way because I was by myself when I had my oldest. So um, then, you know, we practice, and by the third one, I kind of knew, and I I really didn't have any visitors aside from you, Crystal. You were my doula. Yes. Um, I really didn't have a ton Honored. of visitors, and um, that was okay because I just I knew I was really vulnerable and um, needed to heal. And every I think everyone understood. You know, I mean, my family came and stuff like that, but I definitely didn't want like acquaintances or like maybe my husband's friends that I didn't really know that well. Because like physically, all these things are happening, and you're breastfeeding, and it's just it's just such a vulnerable time. There's just no other way to describe it. Yeah, I remember, oh my goodness, I think we should do a whole episode on breastfeeding because I'm thinking about with my first one, and I'd wear all these button down shirts, you know, for this easy access and having, different family members that were extended family members coming and I was just like here I am (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're gonna see things because I'm not I'm not one to and it's totally cool if you want to cover up and all those types of things but I'm not one to do that and I don't want to do that and if you're not comfortable with it sorry, this is how nature works and is meant to work. And our (laughs) society actually benefits from like learning that and seeing that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I wish I saw more of it. I remember like 
being hushed and shoved out of a room when one of my aunts was breastfeeding and then pumping or both or something. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't go see. And here I'm this little girl who, I mean, that would benefit me. Mm -hmm. That's that's a huge challenge that shows up postpartum, actually. We can caveat there just for a minute Mm because, like, it is. People haven't seen it. They haven't grown up seeing it. It's happening now. Yeah. But it wasn't when we were yeah, growing and, up. <laughs> and it wasn't for a lot of reasons even. I remember talking with my own mom and they were like really pushing formula. Like mm-hmm. from like almost like a government status down. Like they were just formula was really being pushed out as it was better than breast milk. Right. And I think, you know, I'm sure a lot of moms of that generation feel really bad about that now because they were just trying to do what was best for their baby. I yeah. mean, I would... I wouldn't like that, knowing that um, that I kind of got tricked into thinking formula was going to be better than breast milk for my child. And, um, you know, and sometimes it can be challenging those first few months. So if someone's like, yeah, well, you should just be doing formula anyway, I could see how that generation, again, just kind of lost some of that. Um, no fault of their own. No, but how big of an impact on society and how amazing for those of us who are claiming our intuition and everything back because you know that that manipulation completely derailed Mm -hmm. (laughs) women's intuition and their inner knowingness and their ability to listen to that. And I think that during pregnancy that just amps up you know you're sitting there and it's like oh (laughs) I don't like this I'm not going to tolerate this anymore or you're more sensitive to I mean physically you're more sensitive to smells and all kinds Mm -hmm. of different things and so now you're in this place where you can really listen to that so especially if you're out there listening and hearing this and you're the type of person who hasn't been listening to your intuition and you're pregnant or experiencing that, then start. Yeah. (laughs) Listening to your body, listening to your intuition. Those instincts are so profound. And when you get into postpartum, they're really important as well because you know, like you know what you need and that does lead into postpartum depression as a topic because that's where some of that can start to get hijacked. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're sitting there and you're feeling confused, like, is this my intuition saying this or are all these awful things going to happen? Like that starts to lead into like postpartum psychosis and mm-hmm. stuff, which I definitely experienced with my first. So as much as I loved the postpartum period with my first and all of that, even though it was super hard because I didn't have much support. I had my housemates and that was about it. And um, I had two friends who like did like overnights with me, two different mm-hmm. nights, those first couple nights. But oh yeah, I was so depleted. I mean, I had the craziest thoughts. And I didn't even know that postpartum psychosis was a thing until I'm doing my bachelor's and taking these development classes and reading about this stuff. And I was just like, whoa, that's textbook, what I experienced, Mm -hmm. you know? And now it's fascinating because 
now that I've had that experience, today I can tell when my serotonin levels are too low, Mm. which happens like if I don't get enough sleep or anything like that. And it's because the exact same things start happening in my mind. Mm. And I can feel it. I go, oh, my serotonin's too low because I only got four hours of sleep that night and dot, dot, dot. So for me now, it's a huge indicator. So of course, there's all sorts of gifts and gems in these crazy experiences. Mm -hmm. But that's a real thing. And so your intuition could get hijacked if you are so depleted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that's so interesting to talk about because that makes me think of, yeah, with my first two, I was really, really worried of weird, like things happening to her. Yeah. Me too. Oh, <laughs> like man. her getting dropped or like flying out of the car while I was driving or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that was a thing either at the time. And even now as we're talking about, I'm like, oh yeah, I just thought that was like new motherhood worries. But I didn't feel that way with my other two. Right. Not to that extreme. No, me neither. So I that's didn't. interesting. And I hear other women talk about um, kind of more like a, yeah, like a postpartum anxiety more concerns. Not that they're always just feeling sad or disconnected from their baby, but they're just having crazy levels of anxiety. I find like when you're already not sleeping, I kind of coined it my own term like this, um, insomnia based off of not being able to sleep, like a sleep anxiety, I would call it, because you know you're going to get woken up. So it's hard to fall asleep. And yeah, that sleep deprivation creates a whole interesting experience, especially when it's extended. Oh, absolutely. For, you know, 12 months or more with certain kiddos. So Well, and so, of course, I want to bring the Ayurvedic lens in yeah. here because it's extremely pertinent. So In Ayurveda, there's three main doshas, vata, pitta, kapha. Vata, when it is deranged, (laughs) that means you have excessive, too much, and it's the element of air, ether, space. You can think about it that way. Um, Is when you have excessive anxiety and flightiness and a really hard time getting into your body. You could be constipated. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Mm -hmm. But it happens from being depleted. And in the postpartum period, you go from being in a pitta hot state into a vata state. It's because there's different times of life and then there's different seasons and all of them pertain to one of the doshas. And so this is like that time transition. So you go from being pitta to vata. So when that happens, it, (laughs) it makes all of that more likely to even be a thing. And then you throw in (laughs) sleep deprivation and tending to all these needs and you're trying to heal. And so it's a perfect storm. So that's one of the things that I do then when I'm being the role of the postpartum doula is the abhyanga because the abhyanga is a bodywork treatment that's designed to call all of that air and ether back into its home in the digestion. And so you literally wring it out of the muscles and the rest of the body super slow. You're helping the body get into that parasympathetic state to get some deep rest and rejuvenation, even if the person isn't falling asleep during the treatment or anything. And you're anointing the body with oil. So it's really making it so that way because 
vata is also very dry. So it's dry and cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you bring the warmth back in. And that is something that we see when we go into all of the traditional yeah. cultures for healing postpartum is bringing the warmth back yes. into the body. Yeah. The other thing that I like to do is moxibustion because... Oh, yeah that brings you are you remembering I'm like I'm remembering all this so I'm having a moment over here because this is like why I reached out to Crystal and hired her to be a doula for me because I wanted this work and if you're listening wherever you live if you're local call Crystal if you're not find someone in your area to just receive these treatments because both of them and the moxa it was incredible yeah. So, sorry. No, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. No, there, I, but want it was it. I want so, it. <laughs> I know. I'm just sitting here like remembering it and like it just felt so nourishing and like we did a foot bath and just even having someone come in and sit with me when I was having moments of anxiety and you would just like talk to me and maybe like rub my feet while you did it or just sit there and drink tea. Um one time, Chris, the other Crystal came and did a little restorative yoga with me and bringing me food. That was so nourishing, and it just hit the spot every time. And so I'm kind of going on into the things that are helpful, but um, yeah. that food component and the warmth, like you said, like, I mean, so important. Every, pretty much every other culture acknowledges, like, Mom, you stay home, you're in bed, you're not leaving the house. You're eating only warm food. You're dressing warm. Some people don't even sh- shower, like because they don't want to get cold. So, yeah, well, so interesting. And that is one of those things that there's some other interesting things that people do that, um, you know, you can do if it feels good, and then know other things that could maybe help beyond that. And what I'm thinking about is things such as cold pads. You know, people will take a pad and they'll Mm. soak sitz herbs and put that on the pad and put it in the freezer. And it has a place. And if it feels really good because you have a lot of inflammation, then go for it. And then you also might want to use some warm water in a peri bottle or anything, you know, to bring that warmth back to that region because warmth brings blood and blood heals yeah so whenever even just other injuries you know when people do hot cold it's like Mm -hmm. yes because i've i've heard and i like to just end on hot so it's just even if it's just a minute or something so that you're bringing the blood flow back yeah so that's something to take into consideration if you're doing any sort of cold stuff. And even if you're birthing in the summertime, it's still the same. Don't sit somewhere where you're going to get a cold breeze on the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a breeze and you can cool off, but make sure that you're keeping your core warm and, you know, that back of the neck that's in Chinese medicine to yeah. catch cold and it's that whole womb space front and back keeping that whole area just nice and warm and feeling the love and there's other traditional cultures where the man would be working on building a fire mm-hmm. for the woman to lay over so she'd yeah. have this fire just like nourishing her and of course then in that 
tribal type community, baby can go to all of these different people, though I'm like you and I don't want my baby to leave me. Yeah. <laughs> There's times when that really works and feels really great mm-hmm. so that the mom can just heal and be in that, whether it's five minutes or an hour, mm-hmm. you know? And I think I'm curious if going on about the warming foods will take too much time because I do want to. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to do a part two. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a part two because yeah. there's so much still to talk about, um, and we're running out of time for this one. Um, so we'll do a part two. But I think let's end just a little bit with the warming foods, and then yeah. we'll jump. We'll jump right back in. So you'll have to wait and catch us on the continuation. Um, so warming foods are the same. Mm-hmm. Chinese culture, um, Chinese medicine is more what I meant to mm-hmm. say. And Ayurveda both have very specific ways of creating warming foods. And that brings all of the warmth back into the body and also honoring that your digestion. Yes. One of the things I talk about is your digestion is just like baby's digestion. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be eating little small meals those first few days, just like baby's going to be having just this little bit of milk Mm -hmm. those first few days, and it gradually starts to increase, and your digestive fires can start to rebuild. And that's one of the reasons, too. You need easy to digest, easy to assimilate. Let your digestive fires start building back up because it's when your digestive fires are strong that you can break down, assimilate everything without um, like negative, yeah. <laughs> negative bowel type things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved that part of the postpartum care too. It was so nice just knowing there was food there and it was the right food for me. And it really like always kind of hit the spot too, because, and normally, I mean, I'm a meat eater or whatever, but during that time, however long I didn't have any meat that was kind of part of the protocol I would say Mm -hmm. or plan and it was it was good because it wasn't what I I didn't even want it and I I think I remember even texting you like I felt like it really like reset my diet in such a healthy way too because I was just like craving all these healthy foods and it, it gave me ideas of like meals I still cook now when I'm still like kind of busy and running, making lunch for the kids. There's certain things I'll throw together that I remember you brought me and it was really good and fast and nourishing. So there's just yeah. so many benefits that continue long-term when you're cared for during the postpartum time. I just can't stress it enough to people, whether it's hiring someone to come in um, to cook or clean or care for you or having your partner take time off, or having a family member or a loved one come in and help plan for it. Yeah, <laughs> and any of those message. things. It doesn't have to be all of them. You just do the best you can. Not everyone is in the position to hire someone like that, but do the best you can and just plan for it, I think is what we want people to do. Plan yeah. for the postpartum. <laughs> and really be open to the possibilities because yeah. you might reach out to some postpartum doulas who are in a place where they have people who paid it forward and they can mm. do it for free or super discount. So also if you're not in a financial abundant state right now and thinking you can't afford it, get creative and still reach out to people because yeah. 
there's so many options and um yeah exactly plan for it I love that okay so we'll wrap that one up here and we'll start part two so that you can keep hearing all of the goodness about postpartum and before we completely log off for today I do want to let everyone know that I have a fun three-day immersion coming at the end of May here Um, it's the last weekend of May I think it's 28th 29th 30th or it's 29, 30, 31st. <laughs> it's the weekend, the last weekend. <laughs> I don't have a calendar in front of me. Um, and it is called Fall in Love with You. And it is all about that. And it's great for especially people who've gone through the postpartum period and have yeah. kind of lost themselves and are ready to fall madly in love with themselves again. And you'll have forever access to it. So you can find that on, it's enhanceutv.com, which you spell out enhance, and then it's just the letter U, tv.com, under the Aliveness Academy. So Awesome. And I can vouch for her classes. The immersions are awesome. They're super <laughs> powerful. Um, getting together those three days in a row, you'll, you'll definitely feel some positive changes. They're yeah. just great. I love the three days in a row. Yeah. I think it's huge. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you and hope you have a lovely, lovely day. Bye.